0: Hello and welcome to Film Disruptors, the new business and art of storytelling. My name is Alex Stoltz and today I'm in conversation with Claire Stewart. Claire is director of the BFI London Film Festival and I talked to Claire about the role of festivals in this fragmented and disrupted media landscape. Claire explains how she has developed grown and reshaped the festival to bring in new audiences also about how she's incorporating new technologies like virtual reality into the festival mix and we also talk about diversity as the bfi london film festival has taken a very strong lead in terms of promoting greater understanding and awareness and action about the shocking inequality in the industry. If you'd like to find out more, check out the home of film disruptors, alexstoltz.com, where you can download today's show notes, sign up for updates, and get in touch. I'd love to hear from you, thank you for listening, and now I'm going to hand you over to Claire Stewart. And I started today's conversation by asking Claire about her career journey up to the point of joining the BFI.
1: Sure. I mean, I've now been in the UK for uh, five and a half years, so have now directed uh, five London film festivals and currently overseeing um, the sixth BFI Flare. Um, and really, I guess I had prior to joining the BFI, an almost 20 year kind of career in programming in Australia. I had got into programming, actually, because uh, I'd studied cinema studies and also production, and I couldn't really make the two things reconcile, the theory and the practice. Mm. So I decided that the only solution to that was to see a lot more films. Um, and so I started volunteering for the local Melbourne Cinematheque, uh, which was a completely volunteer Run organization, um, and you know that was really a, a great uh, starting point. Um, my very first kind of job, if you will, booking films was in the uh, in a small room in the back of a dental surgery. So you know, I'd be <laughs> I'd be calling up um, uh, distributors and studios <laughs> with dental drills going off in the background. Um, that wasn't so,
0: that, that wasn't for that wasn't for the dentist patients though
1: uh, No but um, my colleague who uh, was also one of the programmers for the Cinematheque was a dentist which was why we were using his oh, office I see. and um, he was always at the very forefront of moving image technology for his patients so I remember <laughs> him being one of the first people I knew to kind of get you know viewing goggles in so his patients could watch films while they were having their All teeth right. done you, you know I started uh, volunteering for the Melbourne Cinematheque and I threw my Myself into a lot of other activities as well. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, volunteering at the Australian Film Institute and then, you know, went on to get my first, like, proper paid job there in the research department. Uh, Simultaneously to that, I was also uh, working on uh, what was the only uh, dedicated film show uh, on radio in Australia at that time on a public uh, broadcaster called Triple R. And that uh was you know i was also in fact um uh, started a kind of magazine where i was publishing um and commissioning writers to write about uh the films that we were screening in the melbourne Tech. so it was all about immersing myself i guess in watching films mm-hmm. thinking about films and communicating about films all of which obviously was a great kind of grounding point for uh moving into more distinctive programming activity, if you like. Mm. So after a few years of doing all of that, I uh, was awarded a Queen's Trust Award, which funded uh, my travel to a range of different festivals and moving image centres internationally. And I'd really pitched my project for... For, that got founded for that was around looking at the way screen technologies were changing and given that uh, ACME was on the drawing boards um, in Melbourne at that time, in what is now, um, a, you know, a facility that's been open for more than a decade, uh, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, mm. um, at that time, I, you know, I made the claim that there were no uh, young curators being uh, cha- uh, trained up in Australia and that I had to go out into the world to get a much better sense of what was happening and how the way in which film might be screened or viewed in the future was changing.
0: There's still a lot of discussion and debate about how we can integrate these other technologies into the cinema experience or the festival experience. Um, I mean, do do you see any exciting developments in terms of how VR, for example, is going to be incorporated
1: Yeah, I mean I think the film industry has been um, actually uh, quite slow in adapting to the changes um, in technology whereas other industries have been fast to grasp its potential Um, Mm -hmm. so I I think that the sort of threat to the more sort of traditional um, theatrical model of film distribution has been going on for quite some time now and we're still finding ways to solve that really, mm. um, the uh, I mean, for me, VR is a very exciting uh, uh, kind of development, especially when it's put in the hands of filmmakers who have a great tendency to use it in more complex ways than um, than uh, you know designers do. Um, and for example, at the London Film Festival last year, we showed the terrific work Collisions by uh, Lynette Woolworth. Um... And she, uh, you know, she spoke about how, for her, going in with both an artist and a filmmaker sensibility, that this was uh, like a new frontier, and that, but at the same time, she felt like she'd stepped back in time because there were all of these rules about what you can do with virtual reality. You know, you have to, you can only do three or five minute um, uh, passes. You have to um, fade out. You can't um, do camera movements. You know, all mm-hmm. of these rules. That she said reminded her of, you know, what we know about the early days of cinema. Um, and ov- obviously those rules, um, you know, kept getting broken in terms of uh, how stories were told and and what kind of um, framing and shots were done and so forth. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I think there's a lot. We're still at the very, very nascent stage of VR, I think. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see whether, as a form, it becomes as pervasive as um, as film in its broadest definition has has become.
0: Mm-hmm. When, yeah, we're, we're just, just interested about how, when you um, exhibited the VR works. Was that a case of everyone sitting in in an auditorium with headsets on was that how or was it more individual or
1: no it was it was a case in um, of of doing it in an auditorium Mm -hmm. um, which is tricky the year before we'd done a more substantive exhibition on VR um, where people were um, you know uh, doing a more individual experience Um, but that's part of it I think there's not a model yet for how to eventize it. There's Mm. not a model for how to make it a communal experience Um, although that's something that Lynette is also very kind of interested in and has been working on uh, you know, how can you bring everybody into one space Mm. and make sure that they're watching it at exactly the same time um because even though you can't see anybody else you can sense their responses and she's very interested in in that kind of element um mm-hmm. but yeah i think there's still some way to go every every situation thus far feels somewhat compromised um in terms of uh exhibition the exhibition of it as it were mm-hmm. but it was but it was pretty exciting to sort of be seeing uh, that there was going to be a future in that space kind of back in, um, in the 90s when I did that trip. And that sort of, I guess, led me into, um, thinking, you know, much more widely about what is, uh, the future of film and how are we going to think about environments, Um, the types of events we build, the the kinds of screenings we have uh, going forward because it's not just going to stay the same. And so when I got back from that trip, I had started heading up the exhibition department at the Australian Film Institute and a few years after that uh, started as the head of uh, film programs at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image when it opened doors um, and then went on to direct the Sydney Film Festival after that. So the kind of... um, trajectory, I guess, before uh, coming to the BFI was um, very much about uh, you, you know in the context of Acme, it was looking at new forms. Acme was very ahead of its time as a as a centre. Um, you know had a, a, a significant gallery in which artist moving image work and installation work and VR and so forth were shown. Um, uh, had a games lab. Um, there was digi- a digital storytelling. Classroom, um, as well as the cinemas. So, you, you know, those, those years, um, and now we're talking sort of 2002, probably, I think is when we opened, um, uh, so those kind of five years were incredibly formative as well in terms of being in an organisation and in an actual physical building, which enabled you to experiment, to, uh, you know, present events in new ways and to present screenings in new ways. Um, and then I took a lot that I'd learned uh, there to the Sydney Film Festival, but The Sydney Film Festival was kind of a different piece because um, there was already it was already a very well established festival, but it needed quite a bit of revitalisation in order to attract younger audiences to it, and the and also there was a lot of work that had to be done behind the scenes in terms of business modelling and so forth. So, uh, you, you know, I guess the the festival in that context was um, much less about kind of leading cutting-edge platforms than it was about um, building a festival that would succeed into the future
0: you're listening to film disruptors and i'm in conversation with claire stewart and in this section claire talks about how and why she made changes to the london film festival program structure You obviously took a lot of those ideas and concepts when you joined the BFI, right? Because up until that point, the festival programme had been divided in or laid out in the same way festival programmes had almost always been laid out, which is, you know, by premieres, then by maybe country of origin or or avant-garde or something like that. And you rewrote that completely. And I think that was extremely uh, bold and i would like to dig into that a bit more about why why did you do that and now we now five years later you know can you see sort of the results of that and how that has played out
1: there's often an allergy, and i don't think it's a very justifiable one um it, from curators in terms of you know, thinking about audience. A lot of the, th- a lot of the thinking is uh, only about content. And that to me was something that I was very, uh, uh, you know keen to sort of shake up when I came here because the festival was in a great place I inherited it in um, you know in very good um, shape um, and there was uh, a real sort of sense of um, had great sort of intellectual rigor to it uh, and all of those things I really valued but it was also clear that the audience wasn't, uh, significantly growing and that the, um, and that younger audiences were not necessarily, uh, you, you know, feeding into the, uh, the the profile of the festival. Mm. So I, you, you know, I'm a great believer in bringing programming and marketing around the, the table to address those kinds of considerations. Not that they're done separately. Content and um and how it's presented have to be thought about together. I think.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, so we did a whole lot of research um around audience behaviours, which at that time, um, you, you know, there were some very clear indicators about how audience patterns were changing. Uh, people were making their decisions about what to go and see, uh, not based on, um, you know, critical uh, reviews or um, even necessarily as much by uh, word of mouth. But now because of the internet, you know, making decisions based on, um, having seen the trailers or, uh, having a sense of the genre or kind of film they would expect. And, and also what the film is about is a very, um, uh, a very significant driver for people. And I know that sounds kind of, uh, crazy and very obvious in one way, but, If you think about the way festivals traditionally present, it's actually an uh, we we inverted that model. So we still kept that really kind of critical voice in our um, in our program notes and so forth. So I didn't want to um, uh, you you know throw the bathwater out with the no the baby or whatever it is. Yes. You know that
0: phrase, the baby, um, the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, um,
1: quite exactly. Um, but the thing that felt. Uh, very essential was that we had to change the structure of the festivals so that there would be more opportunities for people who uh, were unfamiliar with the festival um, or who were perhaps tentative because they didn't know where to start when they're navigating a festival that's got 240 uh, feature films in it um, and that was when we uh represented the 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 program structure so that as well as introducing competitive sections which was really about illuminating a, an already existing awards um uh tier in in the festival um we introduced programs that are like love thrill dare debate uh journey etc and laugh and these are laugh is important because actually you know playfulness and fun is also something that um, festivals can sometimes forget to be and uh when you're in the serious business of um you know marketing your films um of uh and of connecting them with um potential buyers industry the whole industrial side of it um you can forget to address uh, the audience a little bit. So um, so that was a, a very important uh, development for us. And within those program sections, actually from a curatorial point of view, they're quite exciting because we do very unexpected and quite textured uh, choices within that. So it has definitely worked as a strategy for bringing new people in um, every year our percentage of first time attendees increases considerably. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, we've grown the audience from 133,000 in um, 2011 to 195,000 in our last edition. So, um, you know, in terms of having significant impact around engagement, it's definitely worked as a strategy.
0: listening to Film Disruptors in conversation with Claire Stewart and in this section Claire talks about diversity and specifically how and why the festival have taken such a strong lead on this issue in recent years.
1: I think it goes without saying that as um a, a festival director who is a woman, I am very very interested in uh, how that gets addressed going forward and um, and also actually how badly it gets addressed um, uh, y- y- you know in the context of uh, programming and curation I got so bored hearing all of these other big festivals saying oh you know but there are no, like we program women directors if they were out there like actually there are quite a lot more of them out there than are getting programmed and mm. we have a responsibility to you know bring them to audiences and like last year at the festival um, Twenty percent of the films in of the feature films were directed by women, which you know it's it's better than the commercial marketplace, but it still speaks very strongly to uh, what kind of inequity there is uh, there. But you know we we are actively looking at that as one of our uh, you know um, one of the elements in our programming matrix is is taking that into consideration. Um, And I, I got very very annoyed. With um, fellow festival directors who who kind of um, talk about the fact that that you, you know it's all about the art. You don't have to take that into consideration. Of course you do. You're a gatekeeper. You know, mm-hmm. like nothing is actually going to change unless you are there making it change. So for for us um, from a festival point of view, uh, that you, you know became very important. And we had the great opportunity in 2015 um, where we had already selected um, Suffragette to open the festival and, um, you know, in parallel to that, we were working on a partnership with the Gina Davis Institute and Women in Film and TV in the UK to do what would be our, our first symposium and that was around... Um, you know, motivated by wanting to share a lot more statistics and research around this space. Um, The two things, I'd always been, as a festival director, somewhat kind of allergic to the idea of setting up a theme for the festival because then the implication is that you have to program to that theme and you might be compromised in some way. But what we did, um, was rethink that so that it was not so much about having a theme as it was about having setting up a talking point and making that the talking point of the festival, which didn't mean that every single film in the festival had to fit it somehow, obviously, um, but it did mean that we uh, we could take a stand on something. And it was a really terrific success because we, um, we genuinely started uh, generating, because of that strategy, a lot more coverage um, of the festival in terms of news and editorial media, that uh, would not um, necessarily, you know, usually the coverage is kind of arts entertainment based. Um, and also because the way that we engaged the industry in, uh, in the symposium meant that people kind of left feeling very inspired to make change. Um, and that, again, we followed up on that. Last year with the Black Star Symposium, which was also the launch for the BFI's much bigger um, Black Star project, which was an incredibly compelling and very, very important um, project. Uh, ironically, you know, of course, we'd started working on that before, um, Oscar's So White, but then that really defined, um, the urgency, uh, that and the Black Lives Matter movement really defined the urgency last year of, uh, of redressing, um, you know, sort of Black representation on screen and stories, uh, as well. And, um, So, you you know, having David Oyelowo do the keynote address for that was, uh, I mean, it was really quite something. Um, I mean, that is available online and anyone who's listening, I encourage you to go and check it out because not only, I mean, I'd vote for that man if he ran for something, you know, like he's not only like, um incredibly sharp on all of these um uh, uh things around uh, um I- inclusivity but he just uh is a great orator and he delivers in such a compelling way so you know his kind of uh position was we've got you, you, you know we've been talking about diversity for way too long we've got to be doing it and that's uh i guess the sort of um the, the, the sort of response that we're trying to, um, uh, engender in, in by, by having these kind of focal points in the festival.
0: So you've really taken a strong leadership in diversity. You've really, um, Trying to bring in new audiences into the film space, I suppose. I mean, it, it, is that how you see the role of a festival now going forward? I mean, looking at the, the landscape as it is now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of change. Um, and <laughs> just talking about in terms of film, um, talking about in terms of film and audiences and technology. I mean, how, how do you see festivals now, uh, in that space? is it is it an entry point into the to, to, to films is it developing new talent?
1: i th- I think it's doing a lot a lot of things and in many ways it's become more vital because one of the uh, you know with the pr- proliferation of um, of voD platforms and the way that people consume uh, information from the internet uh, there is a tendency for people to uh, assume that they have got access to everything. And actually, certainly in the theatrical market, we are seeing, you know, diminishing variety in terms of specialized film, making it into the theatrical market. And, um, you, you know, much as I have enjoyed very much working with um, Netflix and Amazon as, as kind of new partners, new participants in, in the, um, in the original film space, uh, you, you know, they don't have everything available. And if you're, um, if you're looking for, uh, some of the most kind of, uh, you know, the, the sort of variety, the depth. Both in terms of filmmaking form and, um, and culturally, it's, uh, it's much harder to, um, to kind of source a lot of, of those films in that online environment. So, you know, festivals more than ever, I feel, have a very important role to play in terms of, uh, ensuring that there is, uh, diverse, um, films, diverse content in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, um, Also, I think as our consumption, our screen-based consumption, let's face it, everybody is spending, you know, more than half their day on screens in in the UK. I would, actually, that's, sorry, I'm just making that up. I don't know if that's really true. That is not a BFI statistic. That is Claire Stewart speaking. Um, The, but. But the reality is, you know, what are you watching? And that's the, um, that to me is uh, something that uh, festivals have to continue to, you know, play a role in making sure that there is a a huge amount available um, and opening up a few little windows that might be closed down otherwise. Because certainly we are still uh, experiencing you know, a very good rate of films that come into the festival without um, distributors attached to them, uh, that then because of the response in the festival, find their way into the marketplace. That still happens, you know. Um, that's a very important part of what we do. Uh, but it's going to be interesting, I think, going forward because the way that we consume um, our, our sort of daily intake of media has become so individual that uh, there is, I think, a hankering for more um, communal experiences of, of film and moving image, um, viewing. So, you, you know, simultaneously, we have to think about how do we, uh, continue? I, I, don't, I don't particularly like this word, but it, it suits the purpose. How do we continue to eventize, our uh, films so that we are, you, you know, creating space for that, uh, exp- uh, that communal experience. Mm. And uh, at the same time, how are we, y- y- you know, exploring how a festival can be in this new online world, so you know, virtual the virtual festival model, the cinecast model, etc. So, you've sort of got to you know keep both prongs very alive and kicking. And last year, of course, we um, we introduced uh, a new uh, temporary cinema in um, the Embankment Gardens, mm. which um, was, in a sense, a kind of. I mean, we we actually stopped talking about it as a pop up because I think pop up presents a certain flimsy, it can be super fun, but can also be, you know, not that high end presentation that, um, that we are after when we're presenting premieres. Um, so this temporary cinema, which was an absolutely, um, you, you know, top notch uh, technical um, experience, it was a fantastic audience experience, and we saw people really come out in droves for that. Um, so you know, last year alone, we increased our audience base by eighteen percent, most of which we can um, we can uh, say was achieved because we um, because we undertook that venture. So that also. As well as helping us address the sort of issue of disappearing, um, screen capacities in, in London, um, it also tapped very strongly into that, you know, that desire and interest in, um, in, in younger audiences in particular, in sort of attending special, unique events.
0: Mm you mentioned younger audiences you know a few times and it's something which a lot of people talk about a lot of people concerned about um, the uh, that the share of that um, 15 to 24 audience perhaps or, or specifically is is declining in cinema uh, and and are they also declining across other platforms as we don't we don't have all of those stats, but yeah i mean do, do do you see you know are there any specific initiatives that you're you're interested in or excited about to bring in that demographic into the, into the film landscape?
1: Well, I think it's 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 a new world in terms of the the new generation. Um th- one of the really big hurdles for our uh industry to straddle is the fact that this is a generation who are used to being able to get things for free. Mm-hmm. And that is how they consume content, you know. So we are uh, not so much, uh, I mean, you know, we've already made a big shift in terms of how we uh, present and package up the festival, which has definitely grown the, um, the, the younger audience um, for, for the festival. But we also are doing, um, you know, strategies like very cheap ticket price points um, for um, standby queues and uh, for last minute access to screenings uh for students and young people which is absolutely about recognizing that one of the fundamental differences for them is that um you, you know a sort of big outlay for a cultural experience um is not something that uh you know, you know that they've mm-hmm. uh that they've sort of got used to i mean in a way I guess, you know, I mean, I I liked it. It's so weird having these conversations and feeling like, oh, my God, I've become middle aged. Um, But I really have. And, you know, I I think back to those days um, as a student, you know, going to the Melbourne Film Festival where I would save up, you know, for several um, months to buy my gold pass. And it was always challenging to do the spend um, when you were when you were young but You valued it, you wanted it, you sought it. I think there is a big difference now where if that doesn't come to you, you might not seek it. And that's what we've got to kind of, um, tackle. Young people are super smart. We're, you know, I think that's when people are at their actual smartest. So they do, uh, they do know what they, what they are interested in doing and what they're not interested in doing. So you, you definitely have to, Kind of uh, reshape and rethink that, but this is a you know as you say, I think we have an industry um, that's struggling with this. I think we have a cultural space that's struggling with this it's going to be a big challenge, but a very important one to take on
0: yeah, well yes, there's lots of lots of factors, but uh, when when Netflix is six pounds a month, it's really trying to convey the value isn't it of of why a festival experience um, should be, should cost, you know, s- s- more than that. Or, or maybe it isn't when you're having your discounted tickets. And that sounds like a really, uh, really positive initiative. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think
1: yeah. the other thing there, obviously, and this has always been, um, festival USP is the fact that you do have that capacity to connect with the filmmakers. I mean, we had, you know, 800, over 800 filmmakers at the festival last year. Um, almost all of the films were, um, represented. And so you do get, uh, an experience that you can't get online or that you can't get necessarily at your local cinema, which is, um, not just the, the, the viewing of the film, but, um, but hearing from the makers. And I think that is another very distinctive thing about, um, uh, young people is that um, you know they are makers everybody's everybody has the tools to make things so for them hearing um, from people who are actually making the films is almost as uh, valuable from an event point of view as seeing the films mm.
0: well Claire thank you this absolutely fascinating. listening to Film Disruptors in conversation with Claire Stewart and in this final section Claire gives her advice for emerging filmmakers and storytellers.
1: say one of the things that is incredibly important is immersing yourself in as much activity around the the space that you want to go into whether that's filmmaking vr games um and you know know your stuff know what Uh, know what exists before you. I think this is one of the great um, flaws in our industry is that everybody thinks, oh, I can just make a film. I can be a filmmaker. That's so groovy Um, uh, and I know how to tell a story and I know how to find someone who can operate a camera. But it's also super important to have a sense of the landscape, to know what's come before you, to, um, uh, you, you know, it's, it's kind of stunning and we're at the coalface of this from a, from a programming point of view. You know, uh, the festival considers over 2,000 films a year and we see the, we see versions of the same film. you know we really do, and people are not necessarily going out and um understanding where their stories are uh, sit in terms of the the history of of um cinema or whatever form they might be working in. So you, you know, soak it up is my uh, is my big message there. I mean it was I had lunch recently with um Alfonso Gomez rayon uh who uh made me and Earl and the Dying Girl and he is such a super cinephile he put me to shame in terms of how often he'd been uh coming to screenings in um at BFI Southbank while he's here in London in pre-production on a new feature film you know and and I'm like this is great this guy knows that his future is dependent on understanding his his art form you know um, so that's the big number one and then the big number two is um, from an industrial kind of standpoint go into any environment where you can network, look at what initiatives are available to you. I mean, in the context of the UK, the BFI's new network initiative is fantastic. Um, and we cooperate with network, um, both with our uh, BFI Flare um, LGBT mentorships. Um, and then also in the London Film Festival itself, we run a four-day um, uh kind of workshop for uh, writers, producers and directors who are um, who are kind of going through the network scheme uh, to connect with some of the international filmmakers that we're bringing in for the festival, but this is a scheme that's you know designed to kind of, for the for the BFI, the, the commissioning authority, kind of in the UK, to ensure that it's across you, you know emerging talent across the UK are um, both on the radar and being developed, and I think that's um you, you know you've got to find out about initiatives like that you've got to embed yourself in um in the events and uh you, you know any opportunities that those kind of initiatives might um, uh pre- present and obviously the vfi is not the only place doing uh, that kind of work either
0: mm-hmm. i think that's great advice just finally um how can people find you are you on social media
1: i am i'm not uh i'm not an incredibly active social media uh person but you know you can find my twitter handle at claire stewart uh or lowercase and c-l-a-r-e-s-t-e-w-a-r-t um and then capital b-f-i
0: great claire thank you for joining us
1: it's a pleasure alex
0: If you'd like to find out more, check out the home of film disruptors, alexstoltz.com, that's S-T-O-L-Z, where you can download today's show notes, sign up for updates and get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and look forward to seeing you again soon.